You are listening to a message that was given at Living Word Chapel, Oracle, Arizona. It is our hope and prayer that God will use this message to speak to you and enrich your life. For more information, visit lwcoracle.org. So I'm going to be starting a new series today, and I titled the series, uh, When Me Becomes We. And the whole focus of this series is kind of honing in on the reality that uh, we are better together. And uh, in our families, you know, when it's not about me all the time and it's about we, uh, our families are a better place. And in our churches, and, and what I love about Living Word is, is you have a lot of people that are partnering uh, with each other to make this place uh, the best it can be. Uh, when, we, when me becomes we, it's a, a, a better church. And then when, when our communities, uh, when we look at our communities and all of us play a part in making it a better place, when me becomes we, our communities are a lot better. And uh, so the whole focal point of, of the series is going to be about serving and unity. When we serve, uh, we actually, we, we, we become like, like, like the Lord. Because uh, Jesus said some very important things. Jesus said that he came uh, to this world, he said, not to, not to be served. He said, but the Son of Man did not come to this world but to be served. But he came to serve and to give his life as a ransom for many. In other words, he's our model for when me becomes we. He was always thinking about other people. He was always thinking about a bigger purpose. And uh, when, we, when we think about other people, when we think about bettering the lives of individuals in our families or individuals in our church or individuals in our community, we are taking on that same same uh, mentality. And, and, and Jesus even helps us to understand it in a greater way. He said this in, in John 6, verse 38. He said, uh, I came down from heaven not to do my own will. In other words, not to be about me. He said, but I came to do the will of him who sent me. So he was saying, when me becomes we, the world's a better place. And so I pray, here's my prayer. For every person in here and for every person that will listen on the podcast that you can grab a hold of this attitude of me becoming we. And the second, the second theme, okay, so that's servanthood, right? Jesus came to serve. The second theme of, of this series is going to be about unity. And uh, um, Jesus said this. He said, if a house is divided against itself... That house cannot stand. And anywhere there's division, any, any home where there's division, that, that home is, is, uh, is, is on its way to failure. Uh, the NLT puts it like this. It says, a family splintered by feuding will fall apart. And so the enemy desires to divide families. He desires to divide churches. He desires to divide communities. Our nation right now is plagued by division. And our nation is, 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 is on a destiny to fail if something doesn't happen and we get united. Our, our schools are destined to fail if there's not unity. And our homes, there's no, there's no uh, uh, difference. If our homes are not united, we will fail. In, in, uh, in 1858, Abraham Lincoln gave a very famous speech, and his speech uh, was titled A House Divided, and, and Abraham Lincoln was running for the Illinois Senate at that time, and, and a part of his speech goes like this. He said, a house divided against itself cannot stand. He said, I believe the government cannot endure permanently half slave and half free. So the country at that, in, in, that, in that time period, in, in the late 1800s, it was plagued by, by a battle going on for, for uh, slavery and then freedom of the slaves from that. 
And he said, it cannot go on. He said, I do not expect the union to be dissolved. I don't, I don't, I don't expect for it to dissipate, for it to fall apart. I do not expect the house to fall, but I do expect, uh, I do expect it will cease to be divided. He goes on and he says, it will become all one thing or all the other. Abraham Lincoln was saying, it will become all slave or it will become all free. It cannot be divided. But Abraham Lincoln's position was that this country would be free. Now, he didn't win. Here's a crazy thing. He didn't win the Senate race in 1858. But that speech became so popular that two years later, he was the front runner for the presidential candidacy, which he won in 1860. He became the president of the United States, beating the guy, Stephen Douglas, who beat him as senator of Illinois. And the rest is history. Ain't that cool? And the rest is history. So, so what I want us to grab a hold of in, in hearing about, um, about this, this uh, great speech is that we need unity for us to, to do great things. We live in the greatest country on earth. Can I say that? If you, we, we go, even in our, in our worst conditions, we go to, to uh, Puerto Penasco, Mexico, to Rocky Point, where all the tourists are. I mean, they, a lot of tourists go over there on you know, beachfronts and, and things like that, but there are a lot of hurting individuals, and when me becomes we, we help almost 300 children that live in, in poverty, in extreme poverty with backpacks that they would never have. We, we help a, a young, young kid, that, uh, a young man who will be graduating from high school, and they have to pay, as Shauna said, $400 a year to go on to a high school education, and most of their families make you know, $5 a day at the most. And so they can't afford that. But one, one young man, because of this uh, uh, generosity, when me becomes we, is going to graduate from high school, and he's already planning on going to college, and he may be a governor. He may be a senator. He may be the president of Mexico one of these days. We don't know. When me becomes we, the possibilities are endless. But we have got, we have got to stay humble we have got to stay in a mindset of servanthood. We have got to stay in a mindset and a heart and an attitude of unity where we don't become a part of the problem by talking with people, but we become a part of the solution in leading people out of division. Amen? You know, they're, they're, people are plagued with this. I see families, I see families broken apart. And the reason is because everyone talks about everybody. It's a house divided. Brothers and sisters talking about how bad they are. Mothers and fathers talking about how bad they are. And, and you cannot stand. You will not make it without coming together with forgiveness and love and grace. And let me tell you what that causes in each one of us. It causes an attitude of, of serving. And so in, in the book of Philippians, in the letter of, of, that Paul wrote to the, the, the church in Philippi, uh, we're going to see some, some scripture. It's going to be our foundational text for today. And, uh, and from that, I really think that it's going to help us to, to cultivate a culture of servanthood and unity in, in, uh, in our lives and in the lives of the people that we, that we run into. So let me pray over, over the, the, the word and, and uh, pray over my message. Father, thank you for every person that's here. Lord, uh, my, my prayer and our prayer collectively is that we want to hear your voice. I'm, I'm a messenger, Lord. I, I'm, I am a spokesperson, but ultimately, Lord, I, I want to be your vessel and, uh, and what I say is not as important as what you say. And so we, we, we just submit ourselves. Lord, I submit myself. I pray that, that I will, uh, the things that I prepared, I pray that they honor you. And the things that, that, you, uh, that you quicken in my heart, Holy Spirit, I pray that I'll speak those and they will honor you. 
and that it will honor the, the, every person that's sitting here today. It will bless every person that's listening on the podcast. And ultimately, 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 Lord, we pray that, that through this message, there will be a heart change and lives changed. I pray for families that may be broken and, and in disunity. I pray through the power of the name of Jesus and through the power of the Holy Spirit that these families will be brought together with the love of Christ. I think that we can ask that in your name because nothing is impossible for you. And so I, I pray for that mind right now that is struggling and battling with, uh, with maybe anger and hostility. And I pray, Lord, that you will begin to, to re- remove uh, that, that anger and, and, and hostility and you'll place peace and love and grace in that mind and that heart. We pray this in Jesus' name, and everyone said, amen. amen. So Paul writes in, in, uh, in, in the letter to the Philippians in chapter 2, uh, verse 3 and 4 is what I want to deal with today. He says, don't be selfish. He says, don't be selfish. Don't try to impress others. And he says, be humble, thinking of others as better than yourselves. Don't look out only for your own interests, he says, but take an interest in others too. And the whole, the whole passage, if you, if you read the whole chapter, it's talking about how Christ took on an attitude of humility and servanthood when he came to this earth. Even though he was God, he didn't make himself uh, the equality that he had with God, something that he brought down. He humbled himself and became a servant. And so he, he, he teaches us, uh, uh, the Lord, and, uh, and Paul in his writing teaches us that we can, cultivate, we can cultivate a culture of serving and unity in our families that will benefit not only, not only ourselves in, in, in marriage, but it'll benefit our children and our grandchildren for the rest of their lives because your children and your grandchildren are going to live out what you model. Let me say that. They might stray. They might go one way or another way, but they will always come back. And you may be in here and you're not married, or you might be in here and you're married and you don't have children, but let me say this to you. If you model this, it will filter into your, 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 peer, your peers, and people will be impacted by you doing these things that, that we're going to be talking about today. And humility, let me say this that's important. Humility has nothing to do with being rich or poor with material blessings. Humility has everything to do with your tood. Think about it for a minute. It went over some of your heads. It has everything to do with our attitude, right? And this Bible passage shows us how we can cultivate an attitude of humility. The first thing that we have to do, here's, here's the four things. The first thing we have to do is don't be selfish. Don't be selfish. I want you to ask yourself a question right now, okay? Why is generosity so important? Why is generosity so important? Yeah, you don't have to answer me, me, but you can just ponder it. And Can I tell you that generosity has so many benefits that not only in, in, in a, in a uh, um, uh, spiritual sources, but outside in secular sources, they find over and over and over and over and over when they do studies that generosity and giving is a positive for people's lives. There was an article that was written in the Huntington Post and this is what the, I think her name, Lisa Firestone, wrote. She says, year after year, more and more studies are highlighting the benefits of generosity on both our physical and mental health. Not only does generosity reduce stress, support one's physical health, enhances one's sense of purpose, and naturally, isn't this incredible? Naturally, not supernaturally, because she doesn't grab a hold of that. Naturally, 
fights depression. It's also shown to increase one's lifespan. Now, now here's the crazy thing. Now, this is a secular writing right here, a, a, a secular writer, and, and she's saying the benefits of, of uh, generosity are so important. Now, do you not think that God knows all these benefits come to us when we're generous? Do you think that God doesn't know that there is actually benefits that come into your life when you're generous? When Paul writes to the Philippians, don't be stingy, is God not speaking to each one of us at the first part of changing our attitudes and bringing unity and servanthood into our life is if we take on the attitude of Christ and not be stingy? Here's what what James wrote. He said that, Every good and perfect gift is from above. Every, every, the, the greatest gift that you've ever received, the, the greatest generosity always comes from who? From God. Coming down from the Father of the heavenly lights, heavenly lights, who does not change like shifting shadows. He knows this. He knows how much generosity is good for us. And when you give, think about it, beloved, when you give, you become like God. You become like Christ. You take on that attitude. Do you not think that, uh, that God knows the hazards of a selfish life? If, if stress-free life comes with generosity, then selfishness must produce what? Stress. And uh, being generous gives us a sense of purpose, then being selfish does what? The opposite. If, if cheerful giving fights depression, then failing to be generous, what does it do? It, it ushers in depression. That's crazy. Think about it. You're, you're, you're in a state of depression, you're in a state of stress. Have you ever thought to yourself that maybe if you're generous, that that will change the way that you're feeling? Isn't there a place that it says it's, 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 it's more better to give than to receive? There's something that happens in our physical uh, makeup. There's something that happens in our emotional makeup, in our mental makeup. But there's something grand that happens in our spiritual man and woman when we become generous. Why is it so difficult for us to be generous? Here's, here's what, uh, what, what Paul writes to the Corinthians. He says, a stingy planter gets a stingy crop. A lavish planter gets a lavish crop. I want each of you, and I love the way uh, the biblical writers, they talk to us about, about being very wise in, our, in, in the way that we handle our, our, our material blessings. He said, I want each of you to take plenty of time to think it over and make up your own mind what you will give. In other words, don't let people come and arm twist you. Don't let people come in and coerce you. He says, use wisdom. Take some time. Bring it before God. He says, he says and, uh, and uh, th- that will protect you against sob stories and arm twisting. God loves it when the giver delights in the giving. Now, now let me just say this because I think it's important. When you hear about giving and being generous, does it get you upset? You know, when, 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 when we talk about giving, uh, does, it, does, it, does it do something? Does it trigger something in your, in your heart and in your mind? Because God talked, did you know that God talks about generosity more than anything else, any other subject? Because the reality is when you're generous, you become like Christ. And it's not even about your gift. It's never about what you give. It's never about the amount. It's always a heart issue. Giving is always a heart issue. You know, Walmart doesn't feel bad about wanting your money. Tarjay and, and Home Depot, they, they don't have a problem sending you ads. You know, here's the crazy thing is you get it. Have you ever ordered something online, you know, and you order something and, and then on, on your Facebook, on your social media sites, those things start coming. You're like, how in the world do they know that I need a hammer? 
right? Or you ordered whatever, you know, and all the, you know, could you imagine living Word Chapel, you, you know, with your generosity and you gave something and then on your, on your social media site it would say, thank you for being generous, we want more. <laughs> and so we, we, we just process it so differently. We think, you know what, the, the church is just asking for, for money. The church is never asking you for money. The church is a place that you can let your heart be free to give to the purposes of God Almighty. Giving is an unforced act of kindness. It's unforced. That's why you give. You're not paying a payment. You're giving. That's why I hate that. I hate that, uh, that, that slogan, that, that, that saying, I paid my tithe. No, you don't pay your tithe. You give to the work of God. And even tithing in the New Testament, it's not, it's not applied because every law, has been, uh, every law has been fulfilled by Christ. It's not 10% or 9% or 20% or 30%. It's you going before the Lord and say, Lord, I want to be like you and I want to be generous for the work that's going to bring people to Jesus. It just changes our life. Generosity is never about the amount of money or the, or the material goods. It's always about our hearts. And Jesus said, where your treasure is, is, that is where your heart will be also. It got real quiet. Here's the thing that I know for sure, and, and you know, Sean and I, we, we, uh, we are open with our, our account, and we, we, we can look at what we're spending. It goes to both of us, and, uh, and, and you can tell in our, in our spending what we care about. Do you know that? What you care about is in your spending, because that's where our hearts are, and so when we spend the wrong way, let me, say, let me say this, it brings disunity into our home. I can't tell you how many times my wife has said, why did you spend this? And I was like, because I wanted to. <laughs> right? The second thing that's important, right, to, to help bring uh, servanthood and, and unity in our, into our homes is don't try to impress don't try to impress. Our kids shouldn't have to impress us for us to love them. In fact, we should teach them otherwise. Can I tell you that comparing yourself to others is a deadly cycle? It's a remedy for disaster. In fact, a family that is in competition with each other is headed for disaster. If you have a look at me attitude or look, sometimes one, one of your children is going to do really good in school and sometimes the other child is going to struggle in school or sometimes one of your children is going to do really fantastic in sports and then maybe your other child will struggle in sports. It's not about look at me. It's about I love you. It's, about, it's not about competing, right? Because that breeds jealousy. That breeds disunity. It's crazy when you, when you get into the hearts of teenagers, when you get into the hearts of, uh, of uh, young adults, you know, they've grown up and, and, and sometimes they write things down and you can see that it's been an attitude of, of, uh, of where they've been compared to each other and they carry that into their relationships, they carry that into their adult life and we have to be very careful that we don't ever lead them to try to impress people. A family that is always comparing themselves with other families is setting up their kids to become prideful when they're doing well, judgmental when they're doing well, or they become depressed when they're not measuring up. Because I'll tell you that our society is a society that says, look at me. And how do I know that? How many of you taken one selfie and put it on your social media page? The first one. Nobody raised their hands. How many of you taken 15 or 20 of them and then said, that's the one I'm going to put? Right? Oh, the, light, the lighting's not right. And why do we always raise it up like this, right? Why don't we go side view like this? 
Huh? You, you think about it, right? Why don't we do this? We don't want to put the bump in, huh? Paul wrote, Paul wrote a letter to the church in Galatia, and he said this, don't compare yourselves with others. Don't compare yourselves with others. Just look at your own work to see if you've done anything to be proud of, and, and you should be confident in Christ. When you do a work for God, you should, be, you should be thankful that you've been able to do that. You must each accept the responsibilities that are yours. Now, if you can teach this to your kids, to your families, to get their security in Christ and their confidence in God, think about it. It'll change their life. If you're, if you're a husband and a wife and, and you guys uh, apply this to each other, that, that you love each other because of Christ in you, because of what God's done in your life, that you're fearfully and wonderfully made, you don't have to impress each other, right? But you let God just shine through you. When, when, when you stop trying to impress, then you become real. And can I tell you what happens in churches? I can talk about families real quick. You know, we, we sometimes get into this trying to impress attitude. But in churches, it's notorious. How are you doing today? Oh, good. Fantastic. I, I, I just talked to someone, I think it was last week. And uh, it was our, uh, the lady that delivers our UPS. And I was walking through, through uh, the office. And she said, how are you doing, Pastor? I'm doing good. And I, I took two steps and I said, I just lied. I'm doing horrible. <laughs> I'm having one of those days. But think about it. Don't, don't we put on a false front when we try to impress all the time? Hey, sometimes we're not doing as good as we, we need to be. And guess what? God's still there for us. You don't have to impress us in here. We're, we're not that church. You know, in your families, you don't have to impress us. We're not that family, right? Be who you are, and, and we're going to love you right where you're at. In our communities, you don't have to try to impress. Be who you are, and, and God's going to love you right where you're at. And in fact, you're going to do so much better by doing that. Number three, think of others as better than yourself. What a life change this will be to everybody. This is actually a family-changing culture to embrace. One of the, I love a lot of things about my wife, Shauna, a lot, a lot of things. But one of the things that I love the most, it's a love-hate. It's a love-hate that I have for her. Is that, you know, I can have people tell me things like, man, that was a great message, PJ, or, you know what, that's wonderful, and this and that, and... And we'll be driving, and I'll tell her, you know what? Someone told me it was pretty good, you know? And she's, she'll say, babe, you ain't all that in a bag of chips. <laughs> right? <laughs> instant humility. Shauna Reese, instant humility for me. But really what she's saying is don't think of yourself as better than other people. All of us, that's, that's a work of the flesh. All of us want to think, oh, I'm so good. I'm so good. I'm better than you. I'm so good, right? The, the, the Bible talks to us differently. He, it says, think of others as better. Paul wrote to the church in Rome, and he said, we should help others do what is right and build them up in the Lord. You know, don't, don't look down on them. Don't, and, and here's the thing. I went to Juarez, uh, uh, Mexico, probably 10 years ago. Sean and I went in, and uh, Living Word Chapel sent tennis to an orphanage. I will never forget this. We talked about it this week. And uh, we went to this orphanage, and, and the, the director of the orphanage there in Juarez, uh, was, we, we had some one-on-one. -on -one and, and one of the things that he said, he took me to this poverty-stricken part of Juarez. And uh, Juarez is just... One of the highest crimes in, in any border city. I, I don't know if you know that. But um, we went to, uh, to, to this poverty-stricken place, and he says, here's what Americans do, he said. And, and he was an American from, from Northern California. And he said, here's what Americans do is, is, is Americans come and throw money at people in Mexico. 
throw money and throw goods at people in Mexico. And, and really the attitude that, that you're doing when you, when you throw money at people that are hurting is you're saying, I'm better than you. He said, you know what they need? They need someone to come alongside and stand with them. And, and here's the thing, beloved, that money doesn't change people. God does. And so the, the greatest thing that we can do, boy, what a revelation. Let me tell you what we do with our families. If I had some money, I would sit, put, <laughs> I got to do this. <laughs> right? This is what we do with our families, the majority, is we buy our kids different things thinking that's going to make them behave. Right? They don't need that. What they need is for us to come alongside, to stand with them, to do life with them together, to actually listen to what they're going through, and to always be reminded, always, 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 always be reminded that we're not better than anyone. If it wasn't for God's grace, who knows where we'd be? You're sitting in here in Living Word Chapel today by God's grace. You know that? You could be, you know, driving down the road. You could be going through a struggle. But you're sitting here by God's grace. We are not better than anybody. And uh, I was reading uh, 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 kind of a part of a book from Louis Priolo. He wrote a book titled Pleasing People, How Not to Be an Approval Junkie. Because I think that all of us try to live our life approving, uh, uh, having the approval of other people or impressing people or being better than people. And, and this is what he said. He gives nine specific ways to esteem others better than yourself. And I like, I like what he put, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to read it. He says, don't assume that others have exactly the same evil motives as you find in your own heart. See, love believes all things. That's what uh, 1 Corinthians 13 says. Love believes all, all things. But rather, put the best possible interpretation on their actions. In other words, always take the high road, right? Don't always think the worst about someone. Someone said to me this week that, that you know, they're, they're starting this, this relationship and, and, and uh, one of the... Uh, persons in that relationship said, I overthink things, right? I overthink. I, I think that people have an evil uh, a motive. We need to be careful not to do that. Number two, look for those virtuous qualities in others that you know you are most in need of yourself. Then seek their help in acquiring those qualities. In other words, find people that are going to be life coaches and mentors, Right? Here's the thing, all of us aren't a 10 in everything, right? We might be 10 in, in kindness, but we might be a, 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 a three in uh, helps. So you got to find those people and become better together. Number three, don't assume that your time, money, and energy, and thoughts, and opinions are more valuable than your neighbor's. And who's your neighbor? Jesus said your neighbor is who? Everybody. Number four, when making a decision, consider not only how that decision will affect your own interest, but when you're making a decision, also how it will affect the interest of others. Boy, I've been guilty of, of that. Hold on, let me do some time with the Lord right now. Number five, be alert. Not only to your own needs, but also to the needs of others. I can say that I've grown in that area. I, I try to listen to those, those ver that verbiage of when someone is talking, you can always hear their needs. And then we can try to meet those needs, right? Number six, demonstrate your high estimation of others by commending them for those qualities that are biblically worthy of praise. When's the last time that you sent a thank you note? When's the last time that you told someone, hey, I, I, you really blessed me with your, with your kindness, with your love, with your grace. Someone gave me a card today, 
And it just blessed me uh, because it was just wonderful. So you know who you are. Thank you for doing that. That was wonderful. Um, number seven, uh, guard your heart. Guard your heart from developing a pattern of, crit- of, of critical, uh, condemning, accusatory, judgmental thoughts about others. Such thoughts make it very difficult, if not impossible, to esteem others better than yourself. See, and we do that. In our mind, we're thinking, what a jerk. Not you guys, I am. I can't believe them, right? And and those thoughts become how you view people around you. We, We have to guard ourselves from that. Number eight, here's, it should be number one. It's number eight. Pray for your brothers and sisters in Christ. Can I ask you a question? And you don't have to answer, but just kind of think about it. When's the last time you prayed for Pastor James? You don't have to answer it. Let me ask another one. When's the last time you talked about me? When's the last time you said to someone, hey, you know what? He's a jerk. You might not have said that, but you could thought about it, right? Here's the thing. I need your prayers. Shauna needs for you to pray for me. My, my young adults and my grandkids, they need for you to pray, and, and we need to pray for each other. We need to pray for each other. And then number nine, remind yourself often that God has given to you everything you have to be proud of and that he has often used others to get you where you are. Thank God and thank those whom he has used to bless you. Don't ever forget where you came from, and don't ever forget who helped you get to where you're at. And then number four, last last point. Look out for the interests of others. And one of the greatest examples in family about someone not looking out for their, for their siblings is the story of Cain and Abel. It teaches us that from the very beginning when sin entered mankind, that families began to struggle with sibling rivalries, with struggle with hatred, with animosity. And when Cain killed Abel, God went and spoke to him and he said, where is your brother? Where's Cain? And I mean, where's Abel? I'm sorry. Where's Abel? And Cain said this, am I my brother's keeper? You see, this can happen to us. We should be looking out for the interest of others. Usually, usually in our flesh, we look out for our own interest. Amen? I can speak for myself. Usually in my flesh, I will look out for what's in it for me. But when we look at it from God's perspective, it's always what's in it for someone else. Lord, work on us. Jesus said this. He said, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind. And then he said this. Look out for the interest of others. He says, love your neighbor like you love yourself. Look out for that person. Look out for that person that you're having trouble with. Look out for their interests. So Paul comes along and he says, let each of you look not only to his own interest, but also the interests of others. And so in my study, I found out that interest it's not in the original Greek. It's not in the original language. In fact, in the original, it says, look not only to your own, but also others. So interest is a filler. Okay? So here's what I'd like for you to do in your outline. Everyone pull out their outline and just show it to me. Wave it in the air like if you really care. Okay? In your outline, it says right there, look not only to your own blank, Look not only to your own blank, but also to the blank 
of others. And here's what I'd like for us to do as an exercise, okay? I, I, I put some examples. Look not only to your own financial affairs, but also to the financial affairs of others, right? In other words, let's, let me not just look after my financial good, but I want to look after the financial good of other people around me, my family, my friends. Uh, look not only to your own property, but also for the property of others. In other words, this is mine, but I don't care about this. I'm going to step all over their, their car. I'm going, to, I'm, going to, I'm going to open up the door. I'm going to look out for my car, but when I open up the door, I'm going to ding the, the, the door next to me. No, look out for your own interest and look out for the interest of others. Look, not, look out uh, not only for your own family, but also for the family of others. Look not only to your own reputation, but also the reputation of others. And then I put one more. I said, look not only to your own education, but also the education of others. I was blessed last night, and I was talking to an individual that, that God has done a miraculous work in his life. He had some, uh, some addiction in his life, and, and God has, is crazy. God has done a miracle in his life and taken him out of that drug-infested life, that alcohol-infested life, and he married a wonderful, wonderful woman of God. And in that rehab that he went to, that, that place that, that, uh, where he got clean, of all the people that were there, and there were many of them that he was with, all of them are back on drugs or dead. He's the only one who's standing and walking in the grace of God. I'm saying all that because of this. He talks to the same guy that was his mentor, his life coach. Every week, he tries to talk to him. And that guy says, who are you helping? Who are you helping? And if he says, I've been busy, he tells him, you're going to die. You're going to die. You're going to fail. Because what happens is when we start looking at our own interest and you don't pay it forward, you're going to die. And I mean that in a in a uh, metaphorical way. You're going to fail. But when you look out for the interest of other people, you're going to thrive. In our families, it's, it's a lot easier to do for most of us. In our families, don't we just do, we sacrifice everything for our children. We sacrifice everything for our grandchildren. I know that because I see some of you. You sacrifice everything. You do everything for your kids. But here's the deal. God wants you to begin to move out of that. It's okay to do. Families are important, very important. But start looking for the family of God as we go into next week. And when you pay it forward, beloved, you will I'm done. Ready for breakfast? Or lunchy? Let's pray. God, thank you for showing us the importance of me becoming we. Lord, when me becomes we, we live out what Jesus modeled for us in his earthly life. He lived out serving others. He put the interests of others before himself. And more importantly, he did not live to impress others, but to love them where they were at. I pray you help me and us to live out this same attitude in my family, in my church, as well as my community. And we pray this together in the name of Jesus Christ, the name that is above all names and for his glory. And all the people said, amen and amen. Let's stand up and worship our king. This has been a message from Living Word Chapel. We hope that you've been blessed by it. 
make sure you check out lwcoracle.org for more information.